الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين خاتم الأنبياء نبينا محمد عليه الصلاة والسلام وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد We begin today uh, obviously praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending the peace and blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and his companions and those who follow them in righteousness but also any reminding ourselves that a part of Iman, a part of our faith is to love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And we say this, right? Like, I mean, every Muslim, if you ask them, who do you love from the makhluk, from the creation, right? Of course, the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something unique. That's the love for our Rabb. But from the creation, inshallah, every Muslim will say, I love Rasulullah, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, more than anybody else, more than my father, more than my mother, more than my children, more than my family. Because he is the messenger of Allah. Allah sent him as that guide, as that light to take people out of the darknesses. And in the durus until now, we were talking about those darknesses. We talked about those dhulumat and the oppression and the things that were happening before the time of the Prophet Today we'll talk about the birth of Rasulullah and the beginning of this light and what does that mean by light. But I want to start with this that I hear a lot of people say this, like, you know, we love Rasulullah but in reality they don't even know who the Prophet Muhammad is. I think they've heard here and there, but a lot of what they may tell you is not correct. So what do they love? They really just love a, a, a fictional image in their mind. But the true believer is the one who then actually strives to learn, to really know who Allah is, to really know who Rasulullah is, to know what the Quran is, to know what the Sharia is, what this beautiful religion entails. And then upon surety, upon yaqeen, and upon clarity, upon sure proofs and knowledge and clear sight, truly loves the Prophet That love is not something that comes without effort. Right? This is, uh, I mean, I don't want to go into the Arabic of it and things, but yani, this is from the umura kasabiyya. Yani, there is kasab, there is, there is an effort that needs to be made. Right? Otherwise, yani, you hear some of these uh, nasheed and things, you know, and they'll be saying, oh, يعني, uh, he had no dil, he had no shadow, bal huwa noor. Where did you get this from? No shadow? Like, where is this from? Where is the evidence for this? Right? They, they will make up all kinds of nice sounding words, but that's not the Prophet I don't know who you're imagining of. Right? True love is not that, just nice songs and singing and dancing and... <laughs> right? So... There's a hadith reported by Imam Ahmad in his Musnad. And it's a sahih hadith, authentic hadith. It's a long hadith, I'm just going to mention a part of it. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam told us, Inna min al-mu'mineen, verily there is from the believers, yalinhu li qalbuhu, yani who softened his heart for me. And there's a deep meaning here, but what does that mean? That he truly, from the sifat, from the... Uh, characteristics of a mu'min is that he truly develops a love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He softens the heart, he puts down those barriers and lets that love enter his heart. Right? But again, this is not something that should just be ala lisan. Lam yaqul alayhi salatu salam, yani yalinu lisanihi. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi didn't say he, he softens his tongue. He said the heart. Because that's what we see in the Ummah today. You'll see somebody who will be talking about, I'm Ashik and Nabi. Ashik is not the right term to use anyway, if you look at the linguistics of it, but anyway. Right? He will say, I, I love Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I'm Majnoon for Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I'm crazy for Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This, this, this. But then you won't see any sunnah in his life. You won't see his salah according to sunnah. Sometimes you won't even see him making salah. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> any love this is, right? 
If you tell them the Rasulullah prayed this way, they will pray the opposite. If you tell them Rasulullah did nikah this way, he will do the opposite. If you tell them if you tell them something true, like any the father of Rasulullah was in Antohi, then they will fight you. Not because they have love, it's just because they have this drama, this show. So we want to base our durus and our manhaj and our love upon clear evidences without leaving out the hukuk of Rasulullah sallallahu Many people today, they've gone to another extreme where they don't have the respect and love and, and yani, dedication to the sunnah as they should. Yani, sunnah has become light to them. And these are people who are destroying themselves. And the other extreme who go towards gulu, who go towards an extreme, they're not about worried about authentic from weak, it's just all singing and dancing in the sheep. Right? We want to be in the middle. We want to be upon the haq, upon the truth. To be in the middle path. To be on those who look at the evidences, what Allah has ordained, what the Prophet has authentically established and followed that. In that, we were at the time where Abdul Muttalib, in the last dars we discussed, he sacrificed 200 camels and saved his son Abdullah from being sacrificed. Abdul Muttalib was making those sacrifices to who? Hubal and yani, these statues. And if you look at the narration, when he made those sacrifices, the Kahim said, Hubal, the, the false god has accepted your sacrifice. So what does that tell you? Abdul Muttalib was not on Tuhim. And I'm saying this because those who go to Ghulu, who go to an extreme, who go to يعني, an exaggeration. They will, Imam Sayyuti even, I mean Allah, يعني, forgive us all, even though he's a great scholar, but everybody, he's not a Nabi, he's not a prophet. We always look at the evidences. He went to Ghulu, he said, no, everybody from the lineage of Rasulullah all the way back to Adam, they were all on Tawheed. يعني, obviously Adam السلام, Ibrahim السلام, Ismail السلام, yes, but here Abdul Muttalib, we see he wasn't. He's making the sacrifices to a statue, right? When Abu Talib was dying, and Rasulullah told him to become Muslim, to accept Tawheed. He said, no. He said, my people, what will they say? I'm going to die on the deen of Abdul Muttalib. What did he die on Tawheed? No. <laughs> so the deen of Abdul Muttalib is not the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, right? And this is evidence. I mean, we cannot go to a, a ghulu. We have to follow a dilla. And this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll talk about that later at the death of Abdullah. But tell you, Abdul Muttalib here uh, and Abdullah. Here we have a, a narration that uh, many of the people who quote the seerah, and this is something I want to make a point. Like sometimes brothers tell me or sisters will, will tell uh, my family or somebody like this, like, oh, there is this sheikh somewhere who did this amazing seerah dars and it's the best in English and it's the best in this other language. When you listen to it, it's filled with weak narration, it's filled with, the, with, with, with yani, a lack of research, but it sounds good. Like that's not what we should be about. So this narration, we hear it in a lot of the, the durus, where Rasulullah is supposedly had said, Ana ibn al-Dahabayn, yani, uh, I am the son of the two that were going to be sacrificed, right? Which is a reference to Ismail and then to Abdullah here the father of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But this hadith is da'if. This hadith is weak. Al-Dhahabi, he mentioned sanaduhu wahin. Yani it is a very flimsy, weak. Imam Sayyuti, even though he used it in other places, but in the takhrij of it, he said, la yusah, and it is not authentic. Uh, Shaykh al-Albani as well, he said, la asallahu, there is no uh, even base for it. Uh, and so on. If you look at Imam al-Bukhari and others, Imam al-Alema, they weakened the hadith. There are clear breaks and weak narrators and so on. I'm not going to go deep. But as the Shaykh Ibn Abbas said, ma'inahu sahih. Yani the, the meaning is correct because no doubt that Ismail was going to be sacrificed. And no doubt the, the story that has been established about Abdullah that he was going to be sacrificed is proven through authentic, especially through the mawquf narrations and so on. So the meaning is sahih, but the, the hadith is weak. Here, there is a great hikmah. A great wisdom that people fail to see. Which is that when you sacrifice for somebody, they become dear to you. Right? I mean, 
if, if you had a friend and uh, they get into a rope, like a hard situation and you jump in and you save them, you, you build a bond through that, right? You realize the value of your friendship from your sacrifices. So when Abdullah was destined to be the father of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had written this, then he could not be killed. He had to be saved. And this is the hikmah of Allah. And he had to be in a, in a way that he would become beloved to Abdul Muttalib. Because then later, as we will see, Rasulullah sallallahu is beloved to his uncles and his family because of the love Abdul Muttalib had for Abdullah. Okay? So this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes you see life going out in front of you, but you fail to see the wisdoms. Or you read tarikh, and you look at it from an academic perspective, but you see, fail to see the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes you don't see it at first, but you accept it as a Muslim, and then years later you will see it. Abdullah, he was raised, and at the age of around 24 years of age, Abdullah was about 24 years of age, when his father Abdul Muttalib told him, I want to get you married. I want to get you married. And as a good son, Abdullah, he told his father that I will leave this affair in your hands. He didn't tell him, what do you mean? I didn't date her yet. <laughs> Can I get a picture? Can I go? No, and he, he realized that his father would want good for him. So he told him, this, this is in your hands. So, Abdul Muttalib, now again, the hikmah of Allah, right? Having that great love, having Abdullah be his favorite son, having be Abdullah, the one that he sacrificed 200 camels and such an incident had happened and so on, he didn't want to get him married to just anybody. So he told the Quraysh, I want him to marry the best, the most honorable, the most dignified, the most intelligent, yani the best of the women of Quraysh. Because he is the best of my children. And his, his family was one of the most honored, Banu Hashim, from the Quraysh. So he started to search, and the people, they told him that the best of women of the Quraysh here is a woman named Amina. Amina is the best of women. She is the most honored. She is known to have the most dignity. She's known to be yani, a person of haya, of shyness, of yani, loyalty, and so on. And she's very intelligent, and so on. So, Abdul Muttalib, he spoke to the father of uh, Amina. The father of Amina's name is Wahab. The father of Wahab is Abdul Munaf. But Abdul Munaf here is not the same Abdul Munaf in the lineage of Rasulullah sallallahu The father of the Munaf is Zuhra. The father of Zuhra is Kilab. Tayyib. Now we go back to the lineage of Rasulullah sallallahu Who is the father of Rasulullah sallallahu not you, you know all of them. Okay. Huh? Who's the father? Abdullah. Who's the father of Abdullah? Abdul Muttalib. Who's the father of Abdul Muttalib? Hashim. Who's the father of Hashim? Abdul Manaf, but not the same one. Tayyib. Who's the father of Abdul Manaf? Husayn. Who's the father of Husayn? Kilab. So you see the lineages do join. They're not like first cousins or something. But yani, obviously the Quraysh later was all related. But through a few generations up. And here, Wahab knowing Abdullah to be a man of great character. And that's one thing that is proven from the authentic narrations. That none of the lineage of the Prophet ﷺ was born through zina. And all of them were people that were people who were honorable. And knowing Abdullah to be a person of honor and dignity. And knowing Abdul Muttalib to be one of the honored people of Quraysh. They agreed to marry Amina to Abdullah. There is a, a, a narration here, and I'm going to mention it for some fawaid, but this is a da'if narration as well. And I'm letting you know it's weak. Right? Which is that Abdullah, when he was going with his father, Abdul Muttalib, to get married to Amina, Ukht, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Waraqa. Waraqa ibn Nawfal. Waraqa ibn Nawfal, 
was a relative of Khatija radiallahu anha, and we'll speak about him in detail later. Waraq ibn Nawfal had a sister. And that is true. But this narration in itself, we'll talk about the weakness in it, shows that his sister had heard from him that according to the signs that he had learned, that the last prophet would come and he had described some things about him. Ukht Waraqa, the sister of Waraqa, she saw Abdullah and she said, I saw a light on his face or in his, on his head. So she went to him and told him, marry me. Now he's on the way to get married already. But she tells him, marry me. And if you won't marry me, commit zina with me. Fornication. Now that's it, it's a weak hadith, but I'm mentioning it anyway. Tayyip, here, Abdullah told her, as far as marriage, this is in the hands of my father. I and mean, this is not my decision, this is my father's decision. So he has already chosen for me, so I mean, I'm not going to go against my father. And as for a zina, this is not the way of the, of the akram, I mean, akram nas this is not the way of the honored people. So this is something you shouldn't even mention. And even though this is before Islam, but look at the dignity that was there amongst the honorable people. And that's why you will find the people of honor and dignity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects them even in Jahiliyyah. Even though it's not a sin, like you cannot hold it against them, but you see this in this qissa. According to this narration, when Abdullah went and he got married with Amina, and after they yani, uh, consummated their marriage and so on, later he was going, and the same woman came, but she didn't even look at him, she didn't even talk to him. And he was surprised that at first you're like begging, and here you don't even look, right? And she told him that there was a light that I saw on your face, that I don't see there, and that is what I saw to be yani, the last prophet, and this is why. But this hadith is da'if. And I'm mentioning it because I want you to know it's weak, because I see it in the books that some people publish, and people who just want to impress people with their thoughts, they'll quote it because it sounds interesting. But we should always follow that which is authentic. Al-Darqutni, he said it's da'if. Imam al-Bukhari said it's munkar, it's rejected. Imam al-Nasa'i, he said it's matruk, and so on. And, and I went through the Salad myself, it has many points of weakness, so we cannot rely upon it. What we do know from the Sahih Ahadith is that Abdullah got married to Amina, she became pregnant with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abdullah was a tajir, and he was a, a, a trader, he was a businessman. And that was, that, some people they go to, again, ghulu, they say, oh, you know, this is the job of the Prophet, they were businessmen. No, I mean, different Prophets did this, some were kings. I mean, they, almost all of them were at some time either shepherds or any those that kept some kind of animals. Some were businessmen, some were not. I mean, Anbiya were sent to all different people. The Ansar, they were in Medina, so they were farmers. The Quraysh, they were in Mecca, you couldn't farm in Mecca. <laughs> so they were businessmen. Doesn't mean one is better than the other. Everything you do in halal, everything you do in the right way, in accordance with what Allah has ordained, and the way of the Prophet ﷺ is good. We shouldn't be like, oh, somebody's a businessman, so like, oh, I'm better than a farmer. No. <laughs> These are things of adat. These are things of the, the norms of society. Tayyib. Abdullah, he went for trade to Sham, and he became sick. Or he went to visit his uncles in Medina. We mentioned that his mother was from Medina. So, yani from before. So, he went to go see his family in Medina. And he died there. Abdullah, the father of Rasulullah was buried in Medina. Kutub of Tariq have clearly denoted where he died. Until rather recently, till before the Ali Saud, there was the mark made in Medina to where his grave was. When Ali Saud took Hijaz, they destroyed it. And they hid it. And many people object to this. Many people object to this. But personally, I make dua for them for it. Now let me, let me upset some people here. Right? Gotta have some controversy, right? Why? First thing, as we will prove, Abdullah was a Muslim. So why do you need to know where his grave is? Secondly, is there any thawab? Is there any reward in going to his grave? 
No. Is it a part of Sharia? No. Is it a part of the Sunnah when you go for Hajj or Umrah or something? No. What does happen and what was happening and what is documented is people went and made shirk there. People went to the grave of somebody who died on shirk and we'll, we'll discuss the adilla there inshallah without a doubt. And they would go and make dua to it and they would make sujood to it and then kutub written or ulema of tarikh of people used to go and sacrifice animals to it. Subhanallah. Mal al-Hadal-Makan-Idafiha-Shirk. Yani, What's the benefit of knowing where this is? Something is interesting to know historically. Like for me, it's very interesting to know where Uhud is, or where Badr is, or where Khaybar and Khandak and these things, because it gives us perspective in teaching Tariqh or teaching the Seerah. Yes. Right? But something, there's no benefit in knowing where the grave of Abdullah is. Right? And then there's shirk coming from it, then the right thing to do is to get it. And if you object to this, then object to Umar ibn Khattab, object to the Sahaba like Uthman ibn Affan, who destroyed many of the houses of Sahaba to expand Majd al-Nabi at that time. Umar ibn Khattab saw a tree where Abdullah ibn Umar used to duck his head when he used to go there because Rasulullah used to duck his head. And he saw the people making a tradition out of it, he cut the tree. Even though it would have been interesting to know or see, but Umar saw that the bid'ah that made developed from it, and the shirk that made developed from it was more harmful, so he got rid of it. Alhamdulillah. So, if a particular government does something wrong, we don't justify their wrong because of ta'asub. But if they do something good, we also don't blindly criticize it because of ta'asub. Whatever is good, we say it's good. Whatever is wrong, we say it's wrong. Khair, Abdullah died, and what is correct is at this time, he was of 25 years of age. Now these are narrations from Tariq. Yani we don't know exactly. We didn't have birth dates and birth certificates and things. But the ulema of Tariq, they write that he was at 25 years of age at his death. And there is a discussion here whether yani, at that time, uh, Amina, the mother of Rasulullah was pregnant or if Rasulullah was born. What is correct is that that time she was pregnant. And we'll discuss some of the call of ulama here without going into detail, meaning that Rasulullah was not actually born yet. And Amina, she was very sad. I mean, she became very upset at the death of her husband as a loving wife that she was. And she wrote many poems praising Abdullah and his good character. And the Kutub of Tariq have recorded it, but without Sanad. I mean, we don't. We can't authenticate those, but they're interesting from a historic perspective. Tayyip, I mentioned that Abdullah, the father of Rasulullah died on shirk. And there is khilaf ulema on this, obviously. And many people, they take this very personal. Like they get upset when you say this and they think this to be a disrespect to Rasulullah but it's not. And I'll prove it because Rasulullah said it. If he said it, then obviously it's not something disrespectful, right? In the hadith, and this hadith is reported in Sahih Muslim. And يعني, I'm amazed by the ulema that try to weaken this hadith. <laughs> it's in Sahih Muslim. And it's not one narration, there are many asanid for it, authentic, and so on. Anas ibn Malik who says that a man came and he asked the Prophet, Aina Abi, where is my father? Aina Abi, where is my father? Rasulullah he knew his father, he knew that he died in kufr. He died in a state of shirk. And at that time, before Rasulullah there were people still on Tawheed. It's not like there was nobody on Tawheed. Even though it was يعني, a time of, of jahiliyyah and things, but there were, and we'll talk about in the Sirah Durus later on, some people that were still on Tawheed. Even they يعني, would, would, would say that if the last messenger comes, I will follow them and so on. Well, was one of them. Okay? But we'll talk about more. So it's not like nobody was on Tawheed. But يعني, these people were mushrikeen. So the Prophet ﷺ told him, Finnar, he's in the fire. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he was always honest. And I know it's difficult, but, but this is the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will come here as well. So the man, he became upset and he walked away. 
Rasulullah called him back. We told him, Inna Abi wa Aba Kafinna. Verily, my father, Abi. Laysa, Abana. He didn't say our fathers, you know. He said, Abi, my father, wa Aba and your father are in the fire. Sahih Muslim. Hadith number 203. See? So, here, some people out of ghulu, out of their exaggeration, they will say, no, no, Abi here doesn't mean my father, it means my grandfather. Like, what? And then the funny thing is, they'll say that, and then they'll be like, Abdul Muttalib was also Muslim, and, uh, and they'll go on, on, all the way. Well, you just said it was the grandfather. No, no, he, he was Muslim too. Right? You look at all these sahih ahadith of them sacrificing to idols and all of that. Here you have Rasulullah explicitly. Now, there is a hikmah. And what if somebody becomes Muslim and their parents die in kufr? It's something very difficult. But here Rasulullah was in the same boat. And so you feel that it's not something that you could have changed. It is all of our responsibility to give da'wah to our parents if we can, if they're not Muslim, right? But it's also not something that we, we end up becoming like in a state of depression over because, and as we mentioned, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Azar, his father, even if somebody tries to now deny that. <laughs> it's the Qur'an, they deny the Qur'an. They find ways to try to go around the Qur'an. Nuh alayhi salam's son, Lut alayhi salam, Ahnu alayhi salam's wives, in, in Kufr, in the Naar. I don't know, are they going to find ways around that too? <laughs> why, why, why you got to deny Adillah? Look, if it's in the Qur'an, if Allah ordained it, khalas, we accept it. Rasulullah sallallahu accepted it, why do you have to deny it? Imam al-Nabawi, the great scholar who wrote the Sharh of Sahih Muslim, obviously there are many Shuruh of Sahih Muslim, Qurtubi and others have it as well, but the best yani known and most widely used Sharh of Sahih Muslim, Imam al-Nabawi said that, إِنَّ مَنْ مَاتْ عَلَى الْكُفْرِ Whoever dies on Kufr, فَهُوَ فِي النَّارِ In the Sharh, in the explanation of this hadith, whoever dies on Kufr will be in the fire. And there, Qaraba, yani they're being close to the Muqarrabeen, to those that are close to Allah will not benefit them. And you can't, there is no racism in Islam. You can't be like, I'm from the Quraysh, so khalas, I'm going to Jannah. No. Abu Lahab from the Quraysh, going to Jannah, better read Surah Lahab, I don't know, maybe they'll find a way around that too now, right? No, that was another Abu Lahab. <laughs> and sometimes when I read like, like works of people or speak, they go so ba'id, like they go so far that it amazes me. Like, do you really believe that yourself? Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, the hadith also in Sahih Muslim. Hadith number 976, Sahih Muslim. He, he says that Rasulullah asked permission from Allah, min Rabbi, to make istighfar for my mother, to ask for forgiveness for my mother. But my Rabb did not give me that permission. So I asked my Rabb Azar to Azur to go visit Qabraha, her Qabr. So he allowed her. And Nabawi explains this again in the Shah Sahih Muslim that the Nahi for Istighfar is because of her being a Kafir. This is the mother of Rasulullah sallallahu She died on kufr. Here Rasulullah sallallahu is clearly saying that I wanted to make a istighfar for her. My Rabb didn't let me. So I wanted to visit her grave and he let me. So, I mean there are some ahkam we could take here. Even if somebody dies on kufr, like your parent, you can visit their grave. Right? Not and do any kind of rituals of another religion obviously. But you can visit the grave. But you cannot make istighfar, you cannot make dua for the one who dies on kufr. As Ibrahim is also not allowed to make shifa for his father. And, and I went a little deep into this just because we find some strange people and so on. And like Imam Siyuti, he did some stubbornness here in the books that he wrote. But he's a human being, he's right and something's wrong and something. We follow the clear adillah. Then there are some narrations that subhanAllah amaze me again. 
Yani, some people come up with these narrations that Rasulullah he made his parents come alive from the graves and gave them the shahada and so on. Now, all these are either fabricated or extremely weak. Imam Al-Azim Abadi in his famous shah, one of the standards you look at as the shuruh of Sunan uh, Abi Dawood, it's called Aun Al-Ma'bud, fi sharh Sunan Abi Dawood. In it he said, Everything that's been reported, to bring that they were brought back to life, the walidayhi of uh, the parents of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa innama for verily it, it is either min al-aksaraha mawdu' most of it is mawdu' or magdu' or it's kadab, it's lies or fantasies and fabrication. La yusah, there's nothing established authentically bihalihi, bi-ittifaq al-a'imma al-hadith, with the ittifaq, with the agreement of the imma, the scholars of hadith. So all those narrations, they're either mawdu', fabricated or extremely weak, they cannot be relied upon. But you have a hadith in Sahih Muslim, you're denying. Ajib. Imam Ibn Jawzi, Al-Hanbali, Imam Al-Darqutni, uh, Ibn Shaheen, Khatib Al-Baghdadi, Ibn Asakir, Ibn Nasir, Qurtabi, uh, Al-Tabari, Fathuddin, Ibn Sayyid Al-Nas, Ibrahim Al-Halabi, Shaykh Al-Islam Taqidin Ibn Taymiyyah, Shaykh Ibn Al-Faymin, Shaykh Ibn Baz, Shaykh Al-Bani, go through the ulama throughout, and I, I mentioned these from very early on scholars till later on scholars, all of them, they went through the takhrij of these ahadith in short, that they were fabrications made by people out of their ghulu'. May Allah protect us from going to an exaggeration. Tayyib. Last point I will make on this. This is in no shape or form a disrespect to the Prophet ﷺ. This is the qadr that Allah wrote. Okay? And to lie against what Allah has wrote is a disrespect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes in your ghulu and your example, this is what happened to the Christians. Out of their love for Jesus, they, they lie against Allah. So in the Yahud, we see the same thing, and others. And some people from our ummah, but alhamdulillah that Allah has protected this ummah, that there will be those, may Allah make us from them, upon the truth, till the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُخْرِجُ الْحَيِّ مِنَ الْمَيْنِ Allah takes out the living from the dead. And this is a very deep ayah if you look at the tafsir of it. And from it, that Allah took a, a, a nur, a light of guidance from the darkness and death of jahaliyyah. Hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn al-Qayyim, in Zad al-Ma'ad, he discusses about the death of Abdullah. And he says, اختلف في wafata يعني أبيه there is خلاف علماء about the death of the father of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Abdullah at this time was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam يعني in the womb of the mother uh, was she hamal or was he born what is rajah what is correct as Ibn Al-Qayyim and other imma have said across the board is that she was pregnant at this time meaning when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was born Abdullah his father had already passed away he was born a yatim, as we can find in the Quran as well. What was left behind as mirath, as inheritance, was very meager, and it was not a lot. Even though the family of Banu Hashim was honored, but they weren't always rich. There's a difference between wealth and honor. Sometimes it comes together. Somebody will be wealthy and honorable. But many times somebody will be very poor but honorable. And many times somebody will be filthy rich but have no ounce of honor. The family of Banu Hashim, the family of Rasulullah was honored amongst the Quraysh, but Abdullah was not welcome. When he died, what is correct from the ulema of tarikh is that he left behind five camels, which was not a lot. And Abdul Muttalib sacrificed 200 camels, right? Sometimes you'll find in tarikh some people sacrifice a thousand camels and so on. So five camels was not a lot. And he had some ghanam, some sheep, but not a lot. We don't have an exact number. And he had a slave. And we talked about slavery. This is time before Islam. And this is something that many uh, of the people that try to criticize Islam don't understand. And in these slaves that, that Rasulullah had, many of them were enslaved in Jahaliya before the Sharia. And that's why the Rasul, he freed them. 
If you look at the life of the Prophet you will find Anas ibn Malik and Zayd ibn Harith and so on. They were freed by the Prophet including this woman here. She was freed by the Prophet His was to free the slaves. They were taken as captives in whatever way of slavery before Islam. And this was uh, Umm Ayman, who, whose actual name is Barakah. And she is somebody that lived to the lifetime of the Prophet and accepted Islam. And Alhamdulillah, she was married to Zayd ibn Harith and she, her son is Usama ibn Zayd, the great Sahaba. And she was a Sahabiyya, and she accepted the message of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Baraka radiallahu anha, Umm Ayman, bin Thalaba al Habashiya. This is her full name. Al Isaba ibn Hajar has her in, uh, amongst the Sahaba, ibn Kathir, and others as well. And she has narrated many ahadith. Many of the ahadith that will talk about the birth of Rasulullah are reported by her. And that's something amazing, right? Because many historic incidences that we talk about, there is no connection between the chains. Meaning somebody will say Jesus did this, or Moses did this, or Buddha did this, or Confucius. But is this written in books? Like who was the first hand reporter? And who did he say it to? And who did they say it to? And what is their moral character like? And what is their memory? They don't have any of this. Is this blind faith? But in Islam, Alhamdulillah, when the Quran was revealed, the Prophet recited to the Sahaba, we know the Sahaba, we know their names, we know their history. Who did they teach the Quran to? We know them from the Tabi'un. We know their tariq, we know how many women they married, how many children they had, who their husbands were if they were women. I mean, all of that, we have that, how good was their memory, where they lived, every ayah that they recited, like for example, Ibn Abbas, to, to some of his students, they said, we went through the tafsir of each ayah and so on, right? Who they taught it to, who they taught it to, till our hafad today, they will have a sanad, they will have a chain. And when they memorize the Quran, all the way back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're going back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Jibreel and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In hadith, we have asaneed, brothers who are sitting here, that have those chains, all the way back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is the beauty, this is one of the beautiful aspects of Islam. So when you talk about, well, these things happened before the birth or during the birth, who reported them? She is one of them. Because she became a Muslim and she said, I was present when Rasulullah was born and I saw this. She was older than the Prophet obviously. So, and there are others as well. Hassan ibn Thabit will talk about as well today. Tayyib. When Rasulullah was born, Baraka radiallahu anha, she was uh, under the service of Amin. And because Abdullah had died, she was under the service of Amina, and she was present. One of the, and I'm going to talk about today, again, I would say from the most critical events in the history of mankind. Obviously when the Quran was revealed, when Adam was created, all of these, all of the flood of Nuh are from the very important uh, times in the history of mankind. But this, no doubt, is also one of them. That is the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa People today are so carried away about yani, uh, national holidays and when this country was made and that country was made. <laughs> what does it really matter? But many people don't know the authentic narrations about the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Here, we find many miracles, and these are from Dalal al-Nabuwa, from the miracles of the Prophet of the Prophet that happened at the time of the birth of Rasulullah Some are authentically established and some are weak. We will not depend on those that are weak. We are people of haq, we are people of truth. We don't need those weak narrations. We have the authentic narrations. Some people, they will use anything to justify their point. We are not from them. We follow the truth. We follow what is established. So here I will mention those that are authentic and then I'll also mention some that are not authentic and we'll, we'll make rad of them. We will, we'll refute them. Even if they would be amazing for the durus, but we will not do that. We want to follow that which is true. One of them 
as Baraka radiallahu anha and others have reported that Amina said, the mother of Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, that my pregnancy was easy. That my pregnancy was such that I felt that I wasn't pregnant. I had no pains of pregnancy, no hardships. Right? And this may seem like, like what's the big deal, but this was something to show her that this pregnancy is not something normal. And she told the women around her about this. So they would know, Baraka radiallahu anha, she would know that this is not some ordinary child. So when the prophethood would come, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would choose the Rasul والسلام, with this nabuwa, that yani, they would know that this is no ordinary man. This is somebody who was special from day one. The next that I will mention, as Imam Ahmad has mentioned in his Musnad, and Ibn Hibban and Al-Hakim have authentically reported, uh, and many other Yani ulema, like in the takhreej of the Muslim, they've graded to be Hassan. And Al-Hakim has reported this through multiple chains, through more than one chains, right? Which is that Rasulullah sallallahu was asked to inform the Sahaba about him. And he said that I am the dua of Abi Ibrahim. I am the, the supplication of Ibrahim salam that has come true. And we talked about that earlier in the Durus when Ibrahim made dua after making the Kaaba. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made that dua come true and come a prophet from his generations, from Ismail progeny in the land of Mecca. And this is with the dua of Ibrahim So he said, I am the dua of Ibrahim that has come true. And I am the glad tiding that my brother Isa ibn Maryam, Jesus, peace and blessings be upon him, had given the glad tidings to his companions. Now, I will mention here, and inshallah as we go through the durus, we'll talk about those of the Ahlul Kitab, Christians and Jews that had authentically established that the scriptures that they had with them pointed out that this man Ahmed, yani Muhammad وسلم, would come at this time and in this place. And inshallah, I'll give you all the references in these durus. Even if later on the corruption and changes and edits and King James and, and this and that took out a lot of the scriptures, even till today, many of the scholars will find indications pointing towards the Prophet وسلم, in the scriptures today. But whether that is or not, without even going into that point, no doubt at that time, the Ahlul Kitab had clear indications and we have authentic references from Christians and Jews of that time that from their scriptural evidences, they knew who he was alayhi salatu Rasulullah sallallahu in this authentic hadith, he says, وَرَأَتْ أُمِّي And my mother saw when she was pregnant a dream. And this dream again has been reported in other narrations as well, where Amina herself also says that I saw a dream while I was pregnant with Muhammad that a light came out from my womb that lit up the sky until I could see the palaces or the houses of Sham, Busra, which was in Sham, in, in, in the area of Levant or Syria. And obviously it's very far away from Mecca. But this was a dream. And this was a dream to show that this guidance, this huda that would come in the form of the Prophet ﷺ would spread all the way to these lands. Would light up these lands from the darkness of shirk. And as I mentioned, this is authentically established. Now, Ibn Kathir, for example, he has gone over this narration in Bidaw and Nihaya and he accepted it. In Sahih al-Sira, Shaykh al-Albani also accepted it. Al-Hakim in his Mustadrak, he corrected, he considered it to be Sahih. Al-Dhahabi agreed with this. And again, reports were reported from the Prophet ﷺ himself. And we have reports from Barakah and others that were reported from the mother of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa as well. Tayyib, 
Then we have the narration that Ibn Hisham and Ibn Ishaq and Al-Tabari have, have also reported. And again, Ibn Hisham and Ibn Ishaq, even though they're very early works, no doubt they have many weak narrations in them as well. But this one, Ibn Hajr al-Qalani in Fath al-Bari, he has mentioned that Al-Haythami said, Isnaduhu Hassan, that it is a reliable narration. And uh, Shaykh al-Albani also considered it to be Hassan. And others, they, uh, yani in their takhreej, have considered this to Dr. Amri as well, to be a reliable narration, that when Rasulullah sallallahu was born, a light came from the womb of Amina during the birth of the Prophet sallallahu that lit up the room. And Amina, she says that I saw this to be a physical thing, not, not a, a dream. Earlier was a dream, a light that lit up all of the earth where the, she could see Shah, but that was a dream. But this light was a physical light that would lit up the room. Barakah, Um Ayman, she also reports this, that I was there. And she says the midwife that was there also saw this. It wasn't something that only Amina saw. And these are authentic narration. We can show asanid, we can show chains all the way back to the event. First hand reports. People who saw this. And this is again a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ at the time of his birth. I want to make a clarification here though, because some people they misunderstand what this means. Does this mean that the Prophet ﷺ was not human? That he was made out of nur or of light, as some of the people of bid'ah and shirk, even in the ummah, have gone towards? No. This is a light, this is a miracle, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the light to Musa alayhi salam, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives uh, to, to uh, uh, many of the sahaba radiallahu anhum later on that we'll talk about in tarikh as well, uh, as an indication of a miraculous event or guidance. But that doesn't mean that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was not human. This is again ghuloh, this is going to an exaggeration, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Quran for the Prophet ﷺ to say, "Qul," and to say, "Innama ana bashar," and I am a bashar. I am insan. I am bashar. I am human. Mithlukum, mithlukum. I like you, like everybody else. Rasulullah ﷺ was insan, and this is something established from the Quran. So when something is in the Quran, you cannot go against it. No doubt, the Prophet ﷺ was human, and the rest of the Anbiya were humans, as Allah Subhanahu has ordained, and so on. When we look at in Surah Al-Ma'idah, for example, that Allah subhanahu wa says, Ja'akum, and has come to you min Allah from Allah, nurun, a light, wa kitabun mubeen, and, and, a, and a book that is clear. What does that mean? Muqatil ibn Sulaiman, one of the earlier mufassirin of the Quran, he says, This is diya min al-dhulumat, this is the light that has come as guidance to take out of the darknesses of shirk. It does not mean the Prophet ﷺ himself was not a human, rather the guidance that came with the Prophet ﷺ was a light, the light of Tawheed, the light of guidance. But the Prophet ﷺ no doubt was a human being. He ate, he slept, he lived as a human being, but he was the best of human beings. He was the best of the creation. But he was a makhluk, he was a creation of Allah ﷻ. He was not a malik, he was not uh, from the malaika. Malak uh, is made out of nur, an angel is made out of nur, unlike insan. But Rasulullah was made out of teen, out of, out of being like a human being. But he was a nur in the sense of being a guidance. From the miracles that happened at the birth of Rasulullah, as Ibn Ishaq has mentioned with the Hassan, with a reliable narration, is that the Yahud, the, the Jews in Medina that had moved there that had been in the area, so that they knew that the last prophet would come in this area, from their scriptures, wanted that the last prophet be from them. Right? And I'm gonna give you the reference here. That they saw an indication. Hassan ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu. Do you know Hassan ibn Thabit? He is the sha'ir, he is the poet of Rasulullah sallallahu He is from Ansar, he's from the people of Medina. And he was the one that would be excellent in poetry. The prophet Muhammad sallallahu was not a poet. He never wrote a poem. And even some hadith rhyme, but he never wrote a poem. 
When Banu Tamim wanted to become Muslim, they said, give us da'wah in poetry. The Prophet said, I'm not a poet. He told Hassan ibn Thabit, go ahead. Hassan ibn Thabit gave them da'wah in poetry and they became Muslim. Hassan ibn Thabit was a poet before Islam. When he heard the Quran, he knew this was not the work of any man. He says, no poet could write this. And he became a Muslim. Hassan ibn Thabit, in the authentic narration that I mentioned, the Hassan narration, he says that I was seven or eight years of age when I was in Medina. Yathrib at the time, it wasn't called Medina. He says, Yathrib. He says, I saw in the Am, in the year that would later be called Am al-Fil, the year of the elephant. That we know that's the year that Rasulullah was born in. He says, during a time I saw the Yahud, a rabbi from the Jews, he came out and he called the Jews. And he said, I have seen Najm al-Ahmad, yani I have seen the star that would indicate that the last prophet is born. And the Yahud at the time would then turn to the Arab and tell them that soon the last prophet will be born and we will be with him and we will fight and destroy you. Because you are mushrikeen, you are pagans, idol worshippers. They would taunt the Arab. But when Allah chose that he be born amongst the Arab, they didn't want to follow. But this hadith that we can show you with the chain, reported from Hassan, first-hand report, who heard the Jews themselves, it shows that the Yahud were in Medina, because they knew that in this area of Hijaz, the last prophet would come. And at that time, which was the year and day of the birth of Rasulullah they saw the indication that they had in the scriptures with them, in the oral Torah or whatever the scriptures they had with them, that showed them that this is the day the last Prophet was born. We know that these are authentic narrations. I will, inshallah, in the next dars, I will go over the date, exact day and time, inshallah, from what we know, yani what day was it, what, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what was the day, month, and so on, with what is authentic and, and getting yani, uh, rid of that which is weak, inshallah ta'ala.